when you when you meditate does does your mind wander and when you're not meditating does it not wander mm. why is it a problem when we we meditate the mind wanders that feels like a problem when we're not meditating the mind wanders it seems like interesting thoughts or creative ideas important things to turn over in the mind mm. <laughs> not a problem but actually interesting so this wandering mind is a um, perceptions kind of memories and imaginations images Speculate about where, oh, sometimes just kind of daydreams, really, ruminations. And the quality of uh, inclination, sometimes, you know, as your mind wanders and something picks up, is really interested in a particular topic, excited or irritated wounded it's kind of the feel the, the charge picks up you really get going on something so that uh, you know in the course of a meditation period you can really wind yourself up quite a lot get steamed up get convinced about something in your mind where it should be the way you are the way somebody else is the way it was Three years ago, the way, the way it probably the way it could be, great things that could happen, creative ideas and so forth. You have a lot of things going on, and um, you know the intentionality quality picks up and goes for some of this um, speculative, ruminative things, perceptions. You get perception, volition, which is sankara, the karma formations, fresh karma. Pick up, you know, picks up something, gives it a charge, and focuses, and then gets involved with that. Is how karma karma begins, and of course, normally we're sort of following that to a degree planning a meeting deciding to do something and then going for it and even as, as we do that recognizing it isn't quite the way we figured it or wanted it we just but uh, it's interesting we kind of keep adjusting and going creating karma and you know When one comes to reflect, you can recognize that, at least I can recognize, that nothing I've ever planned has ever happened the way I planned it. Nothing I've ever imagined creating has ever turned out the way I imagined it. Uh, 
people are never quite the way I I imagine or dread or fear or hope they wish they could be. And not neither am I. So and yet this stuff can keep going on, and one <coughs> keeps following it, trying to make it come true, or. You know, trying to convince others that it is true. <laughs> Using a lot of juice. In meditation, one of the things occurs with this wandering mind is, is that you know the bell rings. <laughs> and you say, oh, where was I? Or, you know, something else comes up, or, you know, you come back to the breath. But often it's just the case that you're really, one's mind is really just streaming, and then the bell rings, or something like that, and suddenly, oh, wow, poof, you know, and, you know go out and do some walking, or stand up, and poof, where was all that? Incredible <coughs> web and weave, just like gossamer, flows away. Then we can feel a bit irritated. You know, you know, just wasted a whole twenty minutes, half an hour, whatever it was. And then we have a perception of what the meditation should be or could be or would be the next one. You know, so we get into that fantasy. And put a huge amount of willpower into arriving at that. And then actually, you know, the journey isn't that pleasant? Uh, sheer willpower isn't very something you want to keep doing. Of course, as a, when we meditate or when we're sitting together, sitting quietly, it's kind of observe or notice the uh, the fantasy. You begin to get some. First thing happens is, is over a period of time you get a little more clued up to the nature of perception and volition. Volition is an aspect, the principal aspect of the sankara aggregate, sankara kanda. Perception and volition, the way these the two work together, these two aggregates. And you get a little more clued up to it. Our perception is just um, almost potential, karmic potential, things that have meaning for us, colour, spaces, scenarios, people, happy times, things that on my karma finds interesting or enjoyable or irritating or worrying, you know, things that actually are meaningful for me even they're kind of absurd when they're, they're presented. They're not going to happen. Yet they contain something meaningful 
enjoyment, fulfillment, freedom, you know, whatever it can be for you, each and every one of us. Happiness and uh, for, you know, things being sorted out, that's it. Nice and steady, got that one. Put that in place, a little bit more worrying, then I'll get that one figured and then that's it. (laughs) You know, lay down some firm foundations here with a bit of uh, thought. And then, of course, it breaks up. So you start to recognize the, this, this potency. Perception carries felt meanings, things that mean things for us, they're potent. Helps you to understand the kind of karma you have, or the old karma that's present. So you know, start to know what you're, what you're working with, what you're own inclinations are around the two themes of, of happiness and security two main themes planning is about happiness and about secure definite time definite future mm. knowledge is about security knowing this is it this is the right thing the right place this is exactly yeah this is good Knowing is about security, isn't it? See these these strong issues for us, and we have particular, you know, specifics around that. And then the ones that really got some charge in them, got some buzz, got some electricity, volition, charges in and starts pushing it and going with that one. I think the last retreat, one of the monks was saying, first of all, first few weeks he built, built a new monastery in Thailand in his mind. And after that he built a monastery in Germany in his mind. So he'd built all two monasteries. <laughs> Planned it all out. Of course, no, neither of them happened. <laughs> just the, the way, you know, the mind is sort of creating something that's going to be right the right place, you know. Uh, interesting. <laughs> We've all built, at least I've built several monasteries, written great books, painted paintings, travelled places, and so forth. Remembered lyrics of songs from 20 years ago in ex- exquisite, excruciating detail. Yeah. Seem to suddenly seem the most poignant valuable pieces of, of uh, culture that human beings have ever created. <laughs> you know, something to get charged around. Once you kind of dip in and then you come out and you think, wow, what was all that? You know? Of course, we can still keep believing it. <laughs> you know, you build off a perception about somebody and then you know, something that really irritates and that's kind of what you see and keep keep going on. So intention also uh, taps into attention, which is another aspect of Sankara, what, what we are charged up by, we look out for. We look out for 
the attractive or the irritating or the whatever it is aspect of other beings. We don't decide to do that really, just the intention does it. It's a kind of almost a reflex. <coughs> Old karma does it. And then lo we create new karma dependent on that. So one of the learnings in meditation is to really recognize how much of this uh, seemingly you know, meaningful, important, wonderful, irritating, disappointing stuff. How real is it? You know, how it's as, kind of as real as we make it. It's as real as our intention, our attention make it. And uh, perhaps some sense of, first of all, some dispassion about that, like uh, that's all it is, actually. It's what our minds are, are pouring into that. Sure, you know we're going we're going to do something. We're going to do something. It's not these aggregates are completely redundant because that's where how we function. But some dispassion, like uh, really stepping back, so you can feel the quality of that charge, the emotional quality. Is it skillful? Is it unskillful? It's you know. Is it conjoined with? Uh, Fantasy fulfillments, greed, lust, hatred, aversion, restlessness, worry, then mm, let's not buy that one. If it's based upon something more compassionate or whatever, then maybe that's worth exploring. So you have to work with the aggregates. You start to check them out. There's a famous sutta where the Sariputra, I think it is, likens the five aggregates to being servants um, who the master invites in to his house in order to, they promise they'll serve him. And they go on day and eventually they, they assassinate him. He said, these are the five aggregates. And yet in the same teaching, he also says, but if these are trained and tamed, these are conducive to joy, liberation. So it's whether you actually are ridden or driven or deluded about them, or whether you can actually master them, quiet them, focus them, steady them. Mm. So, you know, we sort of sense, as we meditate, we sense that the stuff of mind, or actually it's not even mind, it's the aggregate mind, citta-sankhara, the volition, the, the conditioned mental stuff, habits. And we get some sense of dispassion about it. Stepping back, 
detachment, non-involvement, dispassion, checking it out. And then, you know, there's nothing going wrong. Because there can be some learning about that, some wisdom. (coughs) Mm. What am I really uh, easily touched off by? What am I really easily, where do I really easily flash and spark? Let's just steer out of that one. (coughs) Where do I really start sinking and drowning? Let's keep out of that one. Where's the quicksand? Mm-hmm. Could be impressions of oneself or impressions of others, where you find yourself really suddenly in a vortex. Generally, the area of self, <laughs> of what you are, or what is to be avoided, because <laughs> it's just uh, uh, it's just the vortex of nama rupa. Knit forms and, and, and names mm. with no, no real center. But there, so then you get some dispassion, then actually using the intention and attention, just picking up, focusing it so that we can manage something that's meaningful for us. Sometimes it's the silence, steadiness, stillness of the body, sense of subtle energy when your body is balanced, breathing in, breathing out. These are sort of possibles. Because in a way, even though sitting still and breathing in out is not big news, it's, it's not like, wow, it's got a wow factor of zero. Um, the nice thing about it is it's always there so you don't have to generate anything with it just come back and that's kind of the point of it you can use this um, mindfulness of the body mindfulness of breathing it's just something that's always going to be available you know you can just come back to that so though it's not it's rather like a kind of a you know a a loyal spouse, you know, you've known for 30 years, it's, it's hardly fantastic, great romance, but they're there. <laughs> you keep going back, okay, it's you again. You know. And it's always someone you can come back to. Completely loyal, breathing never lets you down. Not only you're going to appreciate that. You've been out flirting with all these fantasies, and then come back to something a bit more solid and dependable. You know, a bit drab at times, but it's there all the time. Come back. So that's the sense here, dispassion. We're not... You gradually wear out the uh, fascination with the wows and the ups and the downs. And actually, it seems to me this isn't really, it's a rather slow process. Well, you know, slow in terms of one's estimation. Maybe this is quick. Maybe 20 years, 10 years, 15 years, 30 years, maybe that's quick. Depending on how much potency is there. 
how much how much potential is there you can't really say but uh, you can begin to see that through this experience then perhaps you know you're less reactive less de- less demanding less flustered in general you begin to recognize that the, the surges and the pushes and the reactivity and the dazzling you know images that come into mind of the way it is, the way it should be, whatever, it's just, oof, wait a minute, I don't trust the hit of that. First we get the hit, but we, we, lose our, we lose our taste for it, we don't trust it. Feels too, too charged up. It's actually taking something from me. It's drawing my energy out. It doesn't stand up by itself. I have to get involved with it, keep boosting it, you know, reiterating it, keep adding more and more fuel to it to keep it going. So this is a telltale sign when, you know, you've got to keep adding more miserable memories to keep yourself miserable. (laughs) You know, because the original miserable perception has only got so much in it, you've got to add another one in. And another thing that went wrong, another thing I can't do or whatever, you've got to keep stoking it up. Wow, you just sort of take a break from misery or from, you know, whatever. So that sense of dispassion, detachment, letting go, you begin to learn. So that what really is important um, isn't a quick fix, but intention, this aspect of sankara aggregate is really um, fed by uh, contact and feeling. Contact is another aspect of it. It means that something gives us an impression, something presses into us, something stimulates us, something tingles. Passa, you're impressed. And it's not just the physical contact, it's also your mind, your heart is impressed by negative or positive. And after a while you're just not so impressed and it's not so impressive. You know, my emotional stuff is not that it doesn't impress me like it used to. I don't say impress me in a wonderful way, it doesn't depress me. It doesn't, you know, fantastically inspire me, it's just... You know, so that sense of the contact impression becoming less and less impressive. And so your intention, this aspect of Sankara, can't really get going on it the same degree. So that's the wearing out of the Sankara aggregate. Sankara contact, uh, impression, intention, attention. So in a way, the less impressive it is, the less your attention rushes there, grabs it, the less your intention charges it up. So it's just, it's like it loses its stick, starts to slide off. Things are irritating, I suppose, but yeah, well, so what else is new? Things are fantastic and possible, yeah, so what? What else is new? Hmm? We've just been to Tahiti. Yeah, great. 
sunny, you're, you're fine, you know, when you sit in the winter time. Yeah, must be nice. Mm. End of that one. So, you know, and that's, that's, a, that's a process to really trust because you're not doing it from some ideology, just actually witnessing the charge and the fallacy of it. It doesn't carry through. It doesn't fulfill. So something you just gets more nipita. It's called the word like dispassionate or disinterested or not entranced, disenchanted by the spells of the sanya sankara perception and sankaras. And you can witness that sense of only if you look into your emotional body, you might say, your heart, you feel cooler, spacious. Mm. That's, that's, that's really, that's, that's deep and that's long term. It's not like a hit. Because it's not an addition. It's a kind of uh, uh, an ending or a ceasing. When you come to the sense of ceasing or things ebbing or fading, it doesn't feel bad. It doesn't feel boring or negative. It just feels a sacred is the word that comes to my mind. Like this open, bright steadiness. And we have to, to work on it, at least that's my sense of it, which isn't really working on trying to get more chilled out, so much as going through the process of just using the sound color, because the, the wearing out happens by itself, it's not inducted, you, you can't generate that, it's quite natural. If you try to generate it, it's always a little bit phony, suppression or indoctrination. It's not sacred. But when we, you know, meditate and using, you know, sometimes you feel you don't really want to talk about meditate as some action, but there is an action there. Part of it is an action. Part of it's a witnessing or appreciation or or revealing what's present. But there is an action, it's focusing. Action of patience to come back, wake up, come out of the trance, and then direct intention, attention to the meditation theme. Using breathing, body, finding the uh, where the impression is most um, attractive, pleasing, comfortable. 
So you work with feeling and, and contact impression. It can be the rhythm of the breathing, it can be the, the energies in the body, something settling. Generally, as, you, as your bodily process sort of steadies and settles your mind, when you're doing mindfulness of breathing, your mind inclines or starts to pick up a particular place or point by itself where it wants to settle. You know, it could be the throat or the back of the nose or the chest or something. It just feels that's where it wants to settle. So this sense of uh, one-pointedness arrives where you've got a place where you can maintain attention Keep, you know. and it's a place that's uh, accessible and you, you know, it gives you a way of, of it's the kind of mooring post and the building up the quality of virya or persistent energy which is a little more a little, not quite, you know, there's a certain inclination there, but the main, F, the main quality of that energy is patience. So it comes when you, you let go, you sense the dream coming over, you're in the dream, and then there's a moment in which you sort of, oh... You kind of wake up a bit, and then you, ah, oh, and then that, that's the time for to not react, but instead to bring up a sense of patience and inquiry. Where's the breathing now? Where is it now? And something at that moment is very interesting because you come out of this um, rather hypnotized state into a place where intention is, you have a choice over it. You know, it's, it's been it's been drugged, and then there's a possibility of ah, you can actually now steer that. That's rather rather something invigorating, clarifying about that. It's not hypnotized; so it's more chosen. So gradually, the the mind stream, which for a lot of time seems involuntary, it's just whirring along, becomes something you have more say over mm. or choice in and that can that can develop so the difference between the dream when you're in it the trance when you're in it that's always the difficult <laughs> bit isn't it don't know if you have those <clears throat> times when you um you know, waking up in the morning and you kind of, yeah, right, I'm right there, I'm right there, just any moment now, I'll get right there, right. Then you look at the clock and an hour's gone by. <laughs> what happened, you know? So one of the monks a few years ago had a perfect uh, practice uh, in terms of hypnotism, trancing. He said well, he was staying up in the forest and then one one morning he, he woke up, got out of his, saw the clock, got up, got out of his sleeping bag, come into the house, 
came to the chanting, bowing to the pujas, and after all he recognized something funny about this, something strange about this morning session. And then he opened his eyes and recognized he was still in bed. <laughs> Got through the whole morning puja in a dream, daydream. And it's interesting, like what actually recognizes <coughs> that something's not quite right, you know. And there's, I think to me, there's a quality of the, uh, the volition itself. There's no choice over it, it's just rolling along. I rather like rolling along. There's a sort of, there's a sort of uh, low energy in it. The energy is, is, is low. It's just rolling along. One time I was uh, at Amrawaddi in autumn or winter time and I thought I'd just go down and have a look at the little piece of woodland down there. It was in the evening. So I was all kind of kitted up. Went down there in the evening just to have a look around, fumbling around and I realised that it was getting dark and I'd lost my, didn't have my torch, my flashlight with me. So I was crumbling around. I thought, well, I'd better get out of here. Scrambling through the bushes, getting in a tangle. <coughs> and I think it's getting really dark here. And then kind of struggling, look, it's really pitch black. How did it get dark so quick? And I was looking around, I suddenly realised, oh, the hat's over my eyes. <laughs> I scrambled through some bushes and it pulled pulled my woolen hat down over my eyes. <laughs> what is it? The moment? What is that moment of realization? You recognize something wrong. Something wrong doesn't compute. <laughs> you know, there's a sense of the helplessness. You know, that you, something starts to want to do some. You know, affect and it can't affect anything. Your volition is gone. You know, because it's that, it's completely caught up and that's the, that's the trance and you know unfortunately it's something that we rather like you know just to switch something on and just be caught just be carried along so again that's another piece of the learning which is not intellectual it's on a very kind of emotional level just how good is it to be asleep how good is it to be in a trance something powerless about that I can't affect, I, I don't feel you know, a sense of clarity or, or it's the mark of freedom. Making choices. So it's kind of, you know, these are little pieces that one learns that help to substitute uh, willpower for wisdom. So we become more wise. Mm, just no, I don't want this. Mm, you know, it feels more repellent. Something that's more unpleasant to be in the dream. Yeah. It's really that because although. Uh, you know, one, one's 
as far as one's choices, you know, we've chosen to, to sit and do a retreat and meditate. But you recognize also a choice that seems to come out of old karma. Mm. Despite one's best wishes and intentions, old karma, this potency, this potential, has the ability to, to fascinate something at a very basic level in the mind. And that's what we begin to wear out and see the gaps in it, see the freedom that comes when it isn't continually reliving the past, reliving who we were. And so with mindfulness of breathing, mindfulness of meditation itself, you know, a meditation theme, you know, that's nothing so fantastic. I mean, certainly some of them have, have good effects in terms of energy and stability. But the main thing is it helps us to come out from the old karmic habits, come out of the trance, time again. <coughs> In that moment when, because we always come out of it, some, something in us does keep coming out. And the moment you do come out, just recognize, where's your body, what does it feel like, what's happening in your, your face, your hands, your chest, your back. And you generally find that something has crumpled. It's kind of gone, you know, fetal again. Yeah. Or you're tightened up. Old, you see, these old karmic habits have got particular somatic bodily impressions to them. And then you come out of that. Uh, so we always, I personally always find coming, just coming back to the body carefully with some discernment, sensing what's really happening, not from a panic, but have an interest. And then you know, coming back to a full body an open body, a balanced body. So it's sort of like bringing the rupa, the form, out of the possession of this old karmic habits, and then the others will tend to follow. This is the, you know, the way we use form aggregate to um, to bring us out of the traps the old habits of the other mental aggregates, perception, intention, feeling. 